0: Coming up on this week's episode of Check Your Balances, it's survival of the fittest. We're talking about the cockroach portfolio. Stick around. That's coming up next.
1: Check Your Balances is a show produced and owned by Kraftwerk Capital. The views expressed by the hosts and their guests are personal opinions and should not be considered personal financial advice or the opinion of Kraftwerk Capital. All investments have risk and may lose money. Consult with your financial advisor, tax preparer, or attorney prior to implementing anything discussed. And please do not use this show as the sole basis for financial decisions.
0: Welcome back to another week of Check Your Balances. I am Ross Anderson, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Dan Maseka, wearing yet another Crooked Crab t-shirt.
1: I have a deep inventory of Crooked Crab t-shirts. I'll continue to roll them out for our YouTube viewers.
0: It is funny. And I think I wore like the same shirt Twice in a row, but we've gone from not caring at all what we look like when we do this show to now it's like sort of an afterthought, but like one that comes up right as I'm getting ready to record. when I go, oh no, do we look like people should actually trust us and that we're talking about something of significance?
1: Oh well, <laughs> I've clearly adopted a different strategy, and I'm just wearing whatever shirt I
0: happen to be wearing. The day signaling, Dan, you, you've you've counter signaled the market. You yeah. Look the opposite of a financial professional. But you I've, are one, and in fact, a good one.
1: I have bigger things to worry about than how I look, Ross. So I'm gonna wear whatever I whatever I need to wear to get the
0: job done. I like it. Well, you stay comfy, buddy. Uh, <laughs> that should be our new motto. <laughs> no longer get your money up. Just stay comfy. <laughs> I love it. That's the work from home motto for uh the, the check your balances crew. So, Dan, you sent me an article that we're gonna talk about today or at least react to, and I kind of love it. And it's called The Cockroach Portfolio. I'm going to let you explain this. First of all, is this a newsletter that you are consistently a part of? And tell us what they wrote about with The Cockroach Portfolio.
1: I somehow receive every newsletter in the world. And I've started reading them. Just because you never know where you're going to find inspiration or ideas. And quite frankly, we need some ideas and inspiration for this podcast sometimes. This came in. The title is draws you in immediately. The cockroach portfolio. Well, I want to know what that is, whether I love it or hate it. I'm going to read it. I had to dig deeper. And the premise is, what do we know about cockroaches? I feel like everyone learns this from the time they're seven years old. It's like, are you asking me what I know about cockroaches? What do you know about cockroaches?
0: I mean, I, I feel like I know the same thing about cockroaches that I know about Twinkies, that they're supposed to basically survive anything that no matter what happens to them, they basically will live on. And, and this, the Twinkie is supposed to be the same thing, right? Exactly.
1: And, and that's the premise of this portfolio is this cockroach portfolio is designed to survive like any situation because in personal finance and investing, like survival is key. It's like, you don't want to take the big hits. It leads with Warren Buffett's quote, rule number one, never lose money. Rule number two, see rule number one. So Which
0: Warren Buffett holding a record billion of cash, just an incredible amount. So sort of building his own version. And I realize we're going to get into exactly what the cockroach portfolio is, but he kind of looks like he's building a cockroach portfolio.
1: Totally, totally. And so the cockroach portfolio basically takes your asset allocation and divides it into four quadrants. It says this will kind of provide a buoy in any economic cycle that we're facing it's 25% in each of these categories category 1 cash category 2 gold 3 is bonds and 4 is equities equal weight to each and that very simply is the cockroach portfolio that they present to us
0: yeah i so the graphic in here that i particularly like and we're going to link the article in the show notes. So if you would like to see the market sentiment article, you can check that out. They start from a premise that true diversification requires four macro quadrants that we need to be prepared for four different environment types. And each of those asset classes you just listed is basically for one of those growth, decline, deflation, and inflation, that those are the four things we need to be prepared for in our portfolios, which Basically makes sense to me, actually, right? And and those are the four things that we are trying to prepare for as investors, or at least be able to sustain our way through.
1: And it makes sense. Just like any individual business experiences different business cycles, right? They're going to go through the growth phase, the maintenance phase, the decline phase. That's part of a life cycle of a business The broader economy has similar cycles that we're going to go through. If you've been investing for any meaningful amount of time, you've experienced at least a microcosm of each of those. We've been through a couple very recently in quick succession. And it is more common that I'm hearing about people asking if they should be allocating to things like cash and gold because of the fear that exists out in the market I think this cockroach portfolio speaks directly to those people who are afraid and want to make sure that they're going to be okay if the rug is pulled out from under them tomorrow.
0: Can we go back to how this article starts, which is a survey plan? It basically asks three questions. Would you, among three possible portfolios, choose portfolio A, which is a 10% year-over-year return? with a 50% drawdown sometime within the 10-year window that it's going to operate. Portfolio B is a 5% year-over-year return and a 20% drawdown. Or Portfolio C is a 2.5% CD, basically. Just a cash compounding 2.5% return. Which one would you invest in? Dan, I... I read this pretty quickly before we started recording because uh, you found this and I think it's great. I hadn't really done the math in my head on, on the return, but which one did you pick instinctively?
1: Uh, instinctively, I thought I would go 10% with a 50% decline.
0: I absolutely did as well. I did the exact same thing. Now, here's, here's why I think I picked it. I thought it was a 10% return while having at some point experienced a 50% drawdown. And I did that because I was a poor reader of this. Right. Uh, It is a 10% return every year, but a 50% drawdown in one of the 10 years, which changes the math meaningfully. So it's not like an entry point to earning the 10% return is that at some point you have to deal with 50% drawdown. But it is a 50% drawdown somewhere along the way, whether it's in year one, Year 10, interrupting that 10% return.
1: Can we talk about math for a second, which I think is very interesting? Yep. We often talk about sequence of returns. It does not matter when that 50% drawdown happens along the way. The math is the same. So that 50% could happen anywhere in your 10 years. The answer is going to be the same for, to this question as to which wins.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating, and i I had to guess and check that a couple different times because I I didn't want to believe that that math was true, and it is that they basically, no matter where you experience that fifty percent decline, the sequence ends up being the same. So, so do we want I, do we want to reveal reveal the answers here? I mean, I think yeah we're we've we've already spoiled the ending if you're listening to this show before reading the article. So yeah, sorry if we're if we're spoiling it for you. The CD portfolio, the 2.5% return without the decline year, which sounds like the most boring thing you could possibly own, it wins. It beats the 10% returning portfolio by a pretty wide margin.
1: Yeah, exactly. So the cumulative return over 10 years for the 25 is something like 28% versus just under 18% for that 10% per year with the 50% decline and 24%-ish for the 5% portfolio. So again, like the cockroach, boring, unsightly. I don't want to see a CD in my investment account. I, I just don't. But it doesn't mean it wouldn't have been the best of the three options they give us at least. So again, speaking to the fact that one of the best ways to get ahead is not to fall backwards, which I think is good guidance because they, it, they give the data in here. It's not totally uncommon for a drawback of 20% or more any given year in the market. It happens pretty frequently, actually, but it's hidden oftentimes by the fact that by the end of the year, we've recovered meaningfully from that intra-year drawdown.
0: The other thing that I thought was interesting here is the equal weight. So they're basically saying there's an equal chance of an inflationary environment, a deflationary environment, a growth environment, or a decline environment. Why the 25% allocation to each of those like Why Why equal weight those? Is there, is there some view that you would express differently?
1: Their reason, which is something I use a ton when I talk to people, is that we don't know. We know nothing. I don't have a prediction on what's going to happen next year or how likely one thing is over another. The second I deviate from that equal weighting, I'm expressing a view that I might not confidently hold. And whenever we're looking at at least decent options and we don't know which way to go... I legitimately believe it's fair to do a little bit of both or split the difference. This is something I say frequently when we're debating between two things that would have a positive outcome, is let's give ourselves idiot insurance and do a little bit of both and make sure that we're prepared for either scenario.
0: Yeah, there was a story, and I don't know that this is true, but Harry Markowitz, who back in the 50s developed portfolio, like modern portfolio theory. He, he was the guy that that developed the theory that powers probably most of your portfolios. All of the asset allocation models of how much should you have in stocks versus bonds versus commodities versus real estate and what acts as a diversifier and all the correlations between those. Right, All of that theory came out of Markowitz's work. And after this extensive theory of how much we should put in each of these things to be optimal, they were like, well, what do you do? And he said, well... I'm half scared of not making any money when the market goes up and I'm half scared of losing my money in the market. So I basically go 50-50 and, and that's it. That he's like All of this science behind the perfect portfolio and his portfolio is basically like half cash, half stocks.
1: Yeah, I love that story. I remember when I heard that, especially after taking investment theory in college, I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I went through all this calculus for this guy to tell me he does 50-50.
0: Yeah, it's. I hope that story's true. I, I I don't know how to validate it other than I, I I find just like the Fidelity story. I don't think the Fidelity story about the the dead customers is true either, which is basically this wives' tale story where we the, the theory was Fidelity goes and looks at all their accounts. What are the best performing accounts in their entire system? And it turns out it it's a bunch of people that have died. And the theory there is just supposed to be. Most of you are trading too much. The activity is hurting your performance, which is kind of related to what we're talking about. The The activity is ex- it's expressing a view. Every time you place a trade, every time you change something in your account, you are expressing a new view, whether you think about it that way or not. Like Even if you don't choose what percentage to hold in cash, every time you take some of your cash and you buy a stock, you're expressing a view, you're reducing your cash position, increasing your equity allocation. It doesn't matter if that's not how you thought about it. It's still what ended up happening inside your portfolio every time that happens.
1: yeah, definitely. I like both of those stories. I'm not going to fact check either of them as far as I'm concerned. Those are fact forevermore because we've retold them on a recorded medium. Correct.
0: yeah, somebody can come back and hear us retelling the story at any given time. This podcast will live on the internet. Long after you and I are gone, yeah, definitely. So, so going back to the cockroach, it
1: backtests some of the performance of this of this strategy, and I can't really replicate the numbers. It's just too much work. But according to them, at least, if we look at a what is that a thirty five year span almost in the U.S., they did it in Japan. I'm discarding that. Japan had a very funky market for a long time. Let let's go U.S. We're a we're a U.S. based podcast. I care about that data. The cockroach portfolio underperformed the S&P by a couple percentage points and a 60-40 by a couple percentage points, but not by that much. It says it has a compound annual growth rate of 11.7 versus the S&P's 14.4 over that 35-year period, but with a meaningfully lower max drawdown, 15% versus 51. So when I look at all this, I think... The theory going into developing this, there are a lot of things I like and that I believe are true. But what's your reaction to actually implementing a portfolio like this? If someone said, I want to do this, what, would your, what guidance would you give someone who is was, who was ready to do it?
0: Yeah, I think it would be a tough discussion because it is, you're basically saying to do this. If you decided to turn everything over today to the cockroach portfolio... You'd be saying, I'm willing to accept theoretically lower returns to protect myself. And in theory, any reduction in your portfolio's volatility is for that purpose, right? So if even if you're just thinking about your stock bond mix to get closer to the cockroach portfolio, you're doing that very thing, right? If you're going to reduce your stock allocation or your risk asset allocation and apply that to something else. Would I ever take 75% of my current investable wealth out of stocks? I don't know. I don't think so because for me, I believe in stocks. We are stock believers and and I have trouble getting myself away from the S&P 500 being the max return portfolio in this scenario. And yeah, the max drawdown is 51%, but it's 14.4% Compound annualized growth rate inclusive of the fifty-one. That's yes. that's the real key. It's not that it's like, yes, it's been interrupted by by that drawdown, but it has beaten the cockroach portfolio despite the drawdown. Not like you, you, I don't know. I'm I'm doing a poor job of explaining this because I, I think we just kind of rolled right into it. But for me, that would be the trade-off that I'm unwilling to make. But I don't find this crazy. Now, I think what's going to happen for most people is that they're going to start playing with it. Their gold portfolio is going to start to include crypto and other things that are commodity assets and are intended to protect them from, from, from the inflationary environment. I think people are going to have trouble going so simple into this type of portfolio that they're going to end up kind of ruining the point which is that you don't think about it at all. You completely punt on expressing a view. I think I have views. And so that would be very difficult for me if somebody was coming to me and saying, I'm going to do this or should I do this? Like, yeah, if you're going to abide by it incredibly rigidly, it's not the craziest thing I've ever heard.
1: Yeah. And I think, right, 25% cash sounds outrageous. I think where that comes into our planning usually is a carve out. Like cash is there to be consumed. So it wouldn't be wild for one of our clients to have 25% in cash because they need that cash for the coming years. That's how we push out the time horizon on the other money and are willing to accept the volatility. But like you said, you need to be able to sit on your hands in the 51% drawdown. Otherwise, you're going to experience the worst of every world that the market throws at
0: you. And for what it's worth, I'm probably 25% cash right now. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm probably close to that with how much I have sitting on the sidelines, which is intended for a home purchase, by the way. And we keep right. talking about that market and yeah, I'm getting paid 5% to sit around and do nothing on my cash right now. So I'm, I'm enjoying that for what it's worth, at least more so than I would have a couple of years ago, but yeah, I probably have close to that in cash at the moment because it's the proceeds from, from a home sale and then 25%
1: gold. I mean, I hear about gold all the time. I mean,
0: that's the toughest one for me. I I would have so much trouble buying 25% in gold.
1: Yeah. And for what it's worth, I'm not a big gold advocate. I'm not usually proactively telling people about it. But if people want it in a portfolio, I think there can be a place made for it. But I have a lot of trouble making a case for the value of gold because it is simply not a productive asset. It sits there and people will pay whatever they're willing to pay for it. But that's backed by just you know, confidence and nothing else.
0: Yeah, I mean, try and picture a world, right? Because like the gold is supposed to be the safety asset where it's got a physical value that you could go exchange for goods and services. Can you imagine being a shopkeeper and you sell groceries and somebody walks in with gold and says, (laughs) I don't have any money, but Daniel, I've, I've got this gold. What can I get with this? and now you have to interpret some exchange rate and like that's unbelievable like there's no shot that you can go with a bar of gold or like even gold coins right now and do business now if you if you're truly expecting the apocalypse fine but at some point you're going to have to exchange that gold back into dollars which is a very inefficient process, by the way, because the dealer wants to make money on that. Just like buying or selling a used car, you're going to struggle. So whether you own physical gold, whether you own traded gold in an ETF, yeah, I, I get it. I get that it is a protective store of value sort of asset. I feel the same way about crypto. And by the way, speaking of crypto, I do feel like it's important to disclose this. Just in the, in the name of honesty, I bought some dum dumb insurance a small slug of Bitcoin probably three months ago. And I haven't really changed my views on crypto, but I feel like because I've been such a bear on like the whole thing, I needed to actually share that on our show. I haven't necessarily gotten more excited about it, but it does seem like I timed my trade fairly well. And crypto is up quite a bit. I think I'm up like 25% since I bought it a few months ago.
1: I mean, results generate excitement, right? If, if that changes to 100%, I feel like you're going to start feeling pretty confident in your crypto move, w- which w- let me, let's me let share this too. Gold year-to-date has also done pretty impressively, if I'm not mistaken. I, I've, I don't know if you've pulled up the year-to-date numbers. I'll do that too just now. No,
0: let, let's pull it up. in In the interest of talking about the cockroach portfolio and how we are immediately basically ruining their concept of this incredibly simple and beautiful thing. Well, so, all right. So, year to date gold, I'm using the
1: spider gold shares as a surrogate. That's like the most easily accessible. That's up close to 7%, which is, you know, nothing to write home about. That makes sense with the inflation. But one year numbers for that same, well, 14 ish percent. All right. Nothing to write home about. But still, for gold, I think we're seeing it do what people are arguing that it should be doing.
0: Is that in response to it storing value really well? Or is that in response to fear? I think it can only be in response to fear.
1: That's my argument. Cause what's it storing? It's not storing anything. Our dollar isn't backed by gold anymore. It's just gold. I mean, is it's a thing.
0: not, but in, in relative value, there is still a, a gold trade happening, right? Like there is use for the actual gold. It gets used in things. Yeah, which has to at least at some point set a market price for it. Now, I think there's kind of some artificial scarcity. I think similar to... I mean, we're talking about a lot of different stuff here, but similar to going back to like FTX holding a bunch of coins where if they dumped all of it, they would have tanked the price. If all the people holding gold all decided to sell it at once, they would ruin the price of gold and the market for it would be destroyed. So in, in many ways, the actual people holding gold are also sustaining its value but
1: which i think is is very similar to bitcoin which is a legitimate scarce digital asset and i can't imagine who the largest holders are but i think they're meaningful like we think of big investors who have huge stakes in bitcoin and their ability to move that stake w- would impact the price of bitcoin
0: materially there's no question and something like 60% of it hasn't moved in a year I don't, I haven't looked at that statistic in a little while. But yeah, the last time I looked, 60% of the Bitcoin had not moved at all. So when you think about the liquid, the amount that's actually exchanging hands, it's a small percentage of that crypto market. We're moving away from the point here. But Dan, I mean, so you asked me kind of what my response would be. How would you talk to a client that wants the cockroach portfolio? I don't think it would
1: be harmful, necessarily. I think I would lead with planning again. And I think the things that the cockroach portfolio is trying to address are uncertainties that relate to the use of the money. And if we've done a really good job planning, hopefully those fears aren't there. And we know that our goals are secured by safe money and that long-term, hopefully they share our view that we're optimistic about the world in general, though that's very hard to be every day, seemingly, but optimistic long-term, that businesses will thrive and continue to innovate and create value. But we need to meet our short-term goals with certainty.
0: The funniest part of this is it's an equal weight portfolio. So they're basically just punting. They're not making an an active choice. And 75% of it, you and I have no problem with. (laughs) That's true. I've got no issue with cash. I've got no issue with bonds. I've got no issue with stocks. I have a deeper love for stocks. But I think bonds and cash both serve a very functional role in portfolios. And depending on where you are in those in your life cycle and when you're planning to use your money, I believe those are incredibly powerful tools that we talk about all the time with clients. The only one here I'm actually having trouble with is the gold.
1: All right. Then let me throw two wrinkles at you. We're going off script. What if... So I saw a version of this that replaced gold with real estate. What if instead of 25% gold you popped in real estate over there? Does that change your your
0: I'm in? in. Yeah, no, I I I would do that. All right. I don't think that's a crazy portfolio. Right. It's basically a 50-50 portfolio. 50% risk assets, 50% stocks. And yeah, it's been a pretty junky environment. And and by the way, when I say real estate, I'm not necessarily talking about Airbnb rental homes. Like I, I don't mean the worst version that i could possibly think of owning myself to to own not because they don't make any money but just because i i don't want to deal with it but yeah i would absolutely own a portfolio that owns real estate which is a productive asset that has an income that has the ability to return capital to the owner rather than gold as the store of value all
1: right and then i think your answer would be similar if we just sliced gold out of there and went a third a third a third i could also dig that we're in business <laughs> uh,
0: that's a I mean that's a lot of cash right? it is thats that's a lot of cash to own. That's a fairly so now wow, so interesting, right so the the relationship that you and I talk about in financial plans all the time is what is the relationship between risk assets and safe assets? That flips it. so now your relationship of risk is thirty three and a third percent relative to two thirds safe. Hmm. I don't like that relationship, but I don't mind the three asset classes.
1: So I, I think, though I I think there's a little bit more artwork to be done here to build a portfolio. I love the simplicity. It, it's there's no questions asked. It is what it is. I like that. If you're getting started, let's say you're a new investor, I think this does a lot to make entry into the world of investing easier. Because you're not going to see crazy moves. Like If you started in 2021, like you had a very violent experience in the market and maybe never want to invest again. And you, in your mind, it's like the worst thing you can do. You're just burning money. That would not happen with something like this. I think the worst is that you're going to underperform other major asset classes and kind of trudge along and maybe see some losses, but not like dramatic losses because you're not holding anything that's just going to evaporate from you.
0: Yeah, I think the key to something like this is not bailing out and chasing those gains that you hear your neighbor talking about. And that's the same problem that we see with stock investing is you can be an incredibly diligent dividend portfolio owner and then you start seeing people have huge runs in tech stocks Mm -hmm. and you jump off the ride. And so I, I think almost... The beauty of this is that almost any plan, no matter how simple, can be incredibly effective as long as you're willing to stick with it. That, that's really my takeaway here is that you can have a super vanilla, super boring, quite frankly, unoptimized version of this. And if you're disciplined enough to leave it alone, it probably works out in your favor.
1: Yeah, we always said the best ride is the one you're willing to stay on the whole way through.
0: I think that's a good spot to leave this, Dan. I hope everybody enjoyed this. I thought this is a fun conversation. Uh, as we were kind of thinking about what to talk about today, we were kind of uh, cycling through a few different ideas, but uh, I enjoyed this. So I, I hope you all did too.
1: Yeah. Likewise. If you have any thoughts on the cockroach portfolio or any other portfolio theories you've heard flying around your your dinner table, shoot us a note at com. We can get Instagram messages, find us on YouTube rate the podcast, share with your friends. We're always looking to build our audience. And ahead of Thanksgiving,
0: we just want to say thank you to all of you who've stuck with us. Yeah. And stick around next week for a special guest. We can't wait to share it with you.